If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Car Nation. The hobby is the people. Weekly news and interviews. It's your number one source. Sports Car Nation. The hobby is the people. Welcome to another stocked and loaded episode of the Sports Card Nation podcast. The show that brings you all the important hobby news, discussions, debates, opinions, info, and interviews with key hobby and sports dignitaries. Also, if you're good, you know we are going to give away something. Now, here's the guy that wanted the cards more than the gum. John Newman. All right, welcome to episode 141. I confess I am the buyer of the $6.6 million Honus Wagner. Just kidding, but I did buy into an iconic card. I'll talk about that during the What's Up segment. Got a great guest today. A little bit of a longer interview. We just were having such a good time. Uh, You know, I talk about youth of the hobby, kids, and, and, and my guess is not a kid by, by any stretch of the imagination, but he's he's a young guy doing uh, great content creation on the video side of the house with his vlogs, traveling the country, kind of uh, sort of living vicariously through him. I'm jealous. He's into the 30s for shows this year, and he's going to shows all around the country. He does a, a great video log uh, uh, Ryan Nolan from Breakout Cards is my guest today. I want to talk about uh, what he does, sort of his history uh, in the hobby, uh, and some interesting stuff uh, as well, who he's named after, his dad had a card store, and so a uh, great conversation. A little bit on the long side, but that's okay, and uh, glad to have him on, and a uh, great young man doing great things, and if you know anything about me, uh, that's very important to me as someone who started myself very young did my first show at 15 first store at 20 I like to see young people thrive in this hobby uh, I think it's it bodes well for the future and it bodes well for the hobby uh, overall so uh, I think you'll find the conversation uh, between myself and, and Ryan uh, pretty interesting and uh, so stay tuned for that so without further ado Let's get this thing started. Pastime Marketplace has a line of graded card cases that are waterproof, airtight, dust tight, and hardened to protect and organize your valuable collection. 
Each of our cases come with pre-cut and pre-formed foam, so you don't have to cut and tear the foam when you get your case. The pre-cut foam inserts are sized to hold PSA, Beckett, SGC, and CGS slabs. Store it all safely and securely with a case from Pastime Marketplace. Check them out at www.pastimemarketplace.com. All right, here to announce our new release calendar schedule, Herman Bryant. Herman, take it away. Good morning, hobby world. This is Herman at 3B Collections on Twitter and YouTube with this week's product releases. On 8-2021, we have 2021 Panini Immaculate Baseball, 2020-21 Panini Spectre Basketball, 2021 Panini Prism Quick Pitch Baseball, 2021 Panini Elements Football, 2021 Topps Chrome Baseball Hobby and Jumbo. And on the 25th, you have 2021 Panini Certified Football, 2021 Panini WNBA Prism Basketball, 2021 Topps Pro Debut Baseball Hobby and Jumbo, 2021 Topps Chrome Platinum Anniversary Baseball, 2021 Topps Star Wars Chrome Galaxy, and 2021 WWE Topps NXT. On 8-27, you have 2020-21 Donruss Optic Hobby Basketball, 2021 Wild Coward Matt Football Mega, 2021 Onyx Vintage Basketball, and lastly, 2020-21 Leaf Pearl Hockey. Thanks, John, for allowing me to do this week's releases. And now back to your host, John Newman. Thanks, Herman. Awesome job. Now here, let's hear from one of our great sponsors, Collectible. Hey, everybody. Have you heard about Collectible? It's the one-stop shop where any collector can buy and trade affordable shares in some of the most rare and valuable sports cards and memorabilia in the world, starting from just $5. From 1952 Mickey Mantle PSA 10s and Wilt Chamberlain's iconic rookie uniform to one-of-one Patrick Mahomes RPAs, rare LeBron James logo mats, and everything in between, Collectible is creating never-before-seen access and opportunities for investing in the hobby. Just download the app and sign up with the referral code SCN to get your first share free. Please note this is not a recommendation or solicitation to buy any security. All investment decisions should be undertaken after doing your own research. It's time for the Hobby What's Up, where we go around the hobby world and tell you all the latest news and breaking stories from the hobby we love. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's you've been asleep all week you know what the big headline was this week in the hobby not a good look ebay bounced pwcc and basically said they were involved in show bidding and i know some people pointed to the wording of the statement it, it accuses uh, pwcc of show bidding and it suspended them that, that's what the statement said don't you know, people are like micro examining it to try to work around it. Uh, they suspended PWCC, kicked them out. Now, the timing is, you know, a little odd. Uh, let's be honest, PWCC, this is not the first time they're living in this spot right here. 
I uh, remember the, the last Chicago National 2019, a little bit before that, uh, things came to light. Some texts, emails. If these allegations are true, obviously it's illegal, it's unethical, it's terrible, and there should be punishment and repercussions, and even charges and fines. But, you know, there's two sides of every story, or three in some cases. Uh, and so let's uh, let's let some of the facts go, uh, come out. Uh, but here's what I will say, and I'll say this very strongly. That statement that eBay released, believe me, they have their own lawyers that probably read that, maybe even changed some of the wording before it was released, proofread it. Very strong statement. And if they don't have substantial evidence to back that statement up, they're... They're opening themselves up for potential defamation, slander. So I, I believe, my opinion, that's all it is, is opinion at this point. I believe there's substance uh, to the accusation for them to put that letter out there for the hobby world and just the world to see where everyone can screenshot it, post it, report it. They're, you know, the old where there's smoke, there's fire. They got some fire. Uh, uh, past that smoke. And so, uh, you know, the ball's in PWCC's court at this point. They've released their own statement basically denying uh, any wrongdoing and basically insinuating that eBay is not happy with them, uh, basically planning to leave the eBay platform anyway. And that might be the only true statement PWCC made. I, I don't think eBay's probably excited that PWCC was was leaving uh, or taking a lot of their stuff off the platform. But that being said, folks, that doesn't mean that the accusations are untrue. Just sour grapes does not mean eBay is not telling the truth or doesn't have evidence to corroborate what they're accusing PWCC of. All right, now let's talk about my small part in this. So... On Tuesday morning, I received an email from PWCC's publicist asking if we'd like to have them on the podcast. Now, this was before the eBay statement. So at this point, I hadn't heard about that. Um, and so my response uh, to that email was with my own email saying, I'd love to have someone from PWCC on Sports Card Nation. However... Uh, I'm going to bring up questions. Part of the interview is going to be pertaining to what happened uh, previously with some of the allegations. I want to follow up on that. And I want to address it because I know that you out there that listen to the show, if I'd have anyone on from PWCC and not tackle that issue or bring it up or try to, to get some clarity on it, I'd expect uh, you to let me know, hey, you know, what's with the softball interview? You let, you know, you didn't ask the obvious questions, John. And so I wasn't going to do that interview. So uh, I said the whole interview won't be that, but I do have to address it. Uh, they emailed me back or the publicist emailed me back and basically said there's nothing to elaborate on and we won't be talking about that. And basically, you know, for all intent and purposes, they wanted to come on and promote all their new things coming up. I get that. They're a business, right? Ethical or unethical, they're still a business. 
They wanted to come on and promote all the good stuff without talking about the bad stuff. And again, this was before the eBay story broke. Uh, and I didn't respond to that email. Uh, and then literally an hour, hour and a half later, the eBay story broke. The statement got out there. I obviously read it and thought the timing was odd with, with the publicist reaching out to me on Tuesday morning. So then I did respond back again uh, that, uh, you know, especially in light of recent events, that would have to be discussed. And, you know, no response. So, uh, you know, they sort of want to dictate terms. We don't do uh, interviews here like that. You know, uh, we've had people on, Jeremy Murray, we've been very transparent, ask him some, some tough questions with Beckett. You know, Emily from Tops has been on. We talked about customer service issues. And I'm, I'm not interested, folks, in doing fluff pieces for our company, okay? Uh, it's not how I operate. Uh, I'm also not interested in doing attack pieces either. Uh, we, we have shows that just all train wreck and, and, and do that sort of thing. I don't want to go there either. I want to be somewhere in between, fair and balanced, but also talk about the issues at hand. Apparently, PWCC, uh, again, it's not the first time. We had some discussions years ago when the first allegations popped up about coming on. They didn't want to talk about that then, like it didn't exist. I'm not going to pretend a story out there in the hobby isn't happening. Uh, I'm not going to put bury my head in the sand. I'll never do that. If it means they don't come on this show, like they haven't come on the show, then they don't come on the show. I have plenty of great guests. We have one uh, today, and we'll have one next week, in, in, in my opinion. So uh, do, do we get everyone we, we ask on the show to come on, or anyone that even initiates a contact to come on? Does it always work out? No, we don't get everyone that either inquires or that we inquire of. That's, that's life. Uh, but I'm not going to be handed uh, questions to ask. I write my own questions. Actually, I write very few questions down. I just speak to current events, and, and we go from there. So uh, I don't I don't believe they're going to be on this show anytime soon. I know they'll be probably making the, the car wash circuit with other podcasts, and that's fine if those other shows want to operate under those terms, they're their shows, right? They're their shows. I can't even criticize that. But I I am in charge of this one. I'm not going to do softball interviews. I'm not going to be handed a script and, and be told you these are the questions you can ask us. I'm not going to do that. I'll never do that. I'll, I'll stop this show before I ever do that. I'll shut this mic off and I'll stay in the hobby as a dealer, collector. I don't have to do the show. Or any show. And so we're going to ask questions uh, that you guys out there want to know answers to. And I'm, if someone tells me you can't ask, ask us that. I'm not going to have them on. You know, I'm not going to have them on. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Now, one thing I will say, Monday's Hobby Quick Hits, if you're listening to this between show release date here Friday and Monday, Hobby Quick Hits is going to really delve into the PWCC eBay uh, thing. I'm going to get really detailed. So I'll, I'll leave 
I'll leave that for that show, and we'll we'll continue uh, with the rest of the hobby news. Let's try to get maybe some positive stuff. All right, maybe you heard about this, but just before the eBay PWCC stuff happened, an owner's Wagner six point six million dollars is now the new record holder once again for highest card ever sold. It was an SGC the uh, three T two o six. The auction house. Congratulations to Robert Edwards Investments. They sold it. The actual final bid was $5.5 million, and with the buyer's premium of 20%, took the total price paid to $6.6 million, and once again, reclaiming the crown of highest uh, card ever sold. And let's talk about those rare air cards. It's the 18th card this year to sell for over a million dollars 18 cards have garnered over seven figures and many in the four five and six million dollar range talking about a six million dollar card something i have uh, uh some correlation to uh collectible offered a percentage of arguably a card that may be even more rare than that t206 wagner the babe ruth 1914 Baltimore News card that's uh, supposedly there's only 10 in existence. And there's more T206 Wagners, just so you know. Um, so many, many will make the argument that the Ruth Baltimore News is scarcer. Uh, collectible was able to offer it to its members. Uh, I'm one of them. And uh, they offered a percentage. They estimate the value at $6 million. They sold shares for $3 a piece. And I got in the key when they opened it up at 8 p.m. I believe it was uh, Monday. And uh, put in uh, an offer to buy 25 shares. And uh, I didn't think, you know, as I was watching the key, I didn't think I was going to get in. But I actually left because you don't have to be there once you submit uh, how many shares you want, and they just will email you whether you you got in or not, and uh, got that email saying congratulations, you uh, were able to purchase 25 shares of the 1914 Babe Ruth Baltimore News. So I have 25 shares. Uh, I believe there's 3,000 shares uh, total uh, in total, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here. I know you know it's all speculation. But I believe this is the kind of card, you know, people talk about, is there, is there going to be a card that ever cracks the 10 million barrier? Now, you know, the highest now is 6.6. Is there going to be a $10 million card? I, I'm not, wouldn't bet my house on it or anything like that. But I think if any card has a chance to get that $10 million, I think it might be this Baltimore News Ruth at only 10 copies. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I hope it does because, you know, I'll, I'll make a little money on, on any kind of buyout uh, at three bucks a share. It'll almost uh, double. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I mean, this stuff is, is interesting to uh, say the least. We're going to close out the hobby what's up section with a couple thoughts of condolences. Longtime dealer, promoter. A man that wore many hats uh, in the hobby, Mr. Rich Altman, uh, has passed away. He was at the National. 
uh, and uh, got news last week that uh, he has passed away. So condolences to the Altman family. And Tim Virgilio, a friend of mine, uh, his mom, who, you know, was ex while it was expected, obviously uh, her passing is, is a, a difficult uh, for, for Tim and, and family. So we send out thoughts and prayers uh, to the Virgilio family uh, on the loss of Mrs. Virgilio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Card Nation. It's now time to chop it up with our featured guest on the one-on-one card shop guest line. Let's go! Happy to have this next young man on Sports Card Nation doing big things in the content creation uh, world, especially uh, hobby related. A little jealous of what he gets to do. We're going to obviously uh, talk about that, but I don't want to make him wait. So let's uh, welcome uh, Ryan Nolan from Breakout Cards. Welcome to Sports Card Nation. Hey, thanks, John, for having me on. I really appreciate it. So, I, I mean, there's a lot of things. You know, I got to meet you for the first time uh, in Dallas uh, during uh, Dr. Jim Beckett's uh, content creation dinner, which was a, a lot of fun. I'm, I'm sure uh, you enjoyed it as well. And then you turned the tables uh, on me with your with your video log in, in Chicago at the National, which you do a great job with that thing as you go around the country uh, like a jet setter. We're going to talk about that. But before... Before we get in there, you know, into that, I want to talk about, you know, number one, you know, when anyone sees your name, they say Ryan, Ryan Nolan. And, you know, I mean, I thought even like, hey, Nolan Ryan. And, and you're actually named after Nolan Ryan. That's actually true. Correct. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So my dad is a huge baseball fan. Or I should say my family was in general. And obviously having the last name Nolan, they used the opportunity to name me Ryan Nolan, the opposite of Nolan Ryan. So worked out with that one and played baseball growing up and I collected cards. So it felt perfect fit. So you were in doctrine and, and I also know your, your dad owned a card store as well. Yeah. So he owned a card store in the nineties down in Dunedin, Florida. Funny enough, I've had a few subscribers said they've actually shopped at that store before. And one sent me a few pictures as well. I'd have to load them up, but they were like, yeah, I shopped at your dad's store. I picked up some vintage cards back then. And a crazy story from this. My dad thinks uh, the one guy who just recently died, who had that insane collection, shopped at his store a few times because it's like there's a doctor in the Florida area that would always come by and look for the best mint cards and always buy them. And since he was in Denny, he was right next to Clearwater where that doctor lived. So he was thinking it was the same exact guy that went into the shop all the time looking for the best cards possible. Yeah, Dr. Newman uh, was his name. Uh, coincidentally, I'm not related Uh Unfortunately, I'd probably say, based on that uh, uh, collection, which is uh, millions, uh, and currently some of it's already sold via auction, and uh, some of it's still yet to yet to get uh, go on auction. So, uh, yeah, incredible collection and and kind of a neat connection that maybe some of those cards uh, came out of your dad's store. Now, 
Uh, I lived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida myself. And, and so I made the spring training uh, circuit uh, as a huge baseball uh, guy myself. But Dunedin, uh, if, if my memory serves me right, was the home of the Blue Jays in spring training. Correct. Yeah, and they played professionally this year too. So I was lucky enough to go there for the first ever MLB game in Dunedin, Florida. It was yeah, awesome. that's yeah, that's cool. And, and now they're back in Toronto, but then from Dunedin, they didn't go too far for me here in Syracuse. They played some of their home games uh, over in Buffalo, which is only about a two and a half uh, hour drive. I didn't get to any of the games, but I I did think about it. If if the Mets would have been there, I probably would have maybe uh, made the trek. But I, it, 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 it entered my mind just to catch a major league game kind of close to close to home. So, uh, but man, a lot, you know, so you were really indoctrinated, you know, indoctrinated in the, in the, in the sports cards, probably from uh, a, a young age. You know, I, I know you went to school. I mean, kind of give a little bit of your, your college background and, and what you're, you know, uh, you know, what you uh, majored in and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I went to college at the University of Central Florida. I ended up getting a scholarship there. So I ended up choosing that as a school. Um, and after that, I ended up going with electrical engineering degree and graduated in four years with that. And then after school, I tried doing a startup of me and a few other friends. We we're going to do some online marketing. And I thought I was going to be one of those entrepreneurs that would be successful right away. And I realized there's a lot more uh, skills that were needed and a lot more experience. And unfortunately, I started running out of cash funds for that. And I decided to do a full-time job. And now I'm a full-time data analyst at a tax company. So I do that every day from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. And then when I get home, I edit videos. So uh, when you see these card show videos that I post, I'll go to a card show, fly out, and fly back in Sunday night. I'll edit till like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, go to work the next day, edit again till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning to try to get these videos out. I gotta ask you. I mean, how many Red Bulls or Monsters are you drinking? That's that's crazy. Yeah, I I don't remember the energy drink on top of my head. Um, there's one that's like zero calories and it's really really good. It's not a Red Bull or Monster. It's actually a healthy one. Um, but I do drink those in the morning and it helps a lot. But at night, I don't drink energy drinks because I need to sleep at least for a few hours. So uh, again, I'm going to get into that content creation that you do such a great job uh, of it. You you went to UCF did. Did anything you do in college, I know you went, you said electrical engineering, did anything you do in college short of give you an advantage? Can you point to anything? Was this something maybe in the back of your mind or, or honestly not not at that time? Honestly, so in college, I only went to a few local shows. I didn't go travel entire country. I still bought cards on eBay mostly. Um, funny enough, I bought mostly modern on eBay, even though I collected vintage cards. The hard part with eBay and buying vintage cards on there is you just don't know with alterations and then images look too nice and the cards aren't as nice. So I, for when I buy vintage cards back then, my mindset's a little changed a little bit now, but I'd prefer just to buy modern on eBay or any websites and then go at shows in person and analyze cards for vintage uh, because vintage was my main PC at the time and just had fun with that. And luckily in Florida, there's a bunch of really, really good vintage dealers that would bring hundreds and hundreds of cards one mistake that I did back in college and even before is I always avoided graded cards and avoided pre-war. I always thought the assumption was since it's pre-war really, really old, I thought it was so expensive. So anytime I sell tobacco cards or anything like that, I never asked about the prices because I just had that assumption in my mind. Oh, these are so expensive. And my dad brought me up on collecting cards from 50s 
through the seventies mostly. So that's kind of like the wheelhouse I stayed at for a very, very long time. And then I didn't really focus on graded cards because my whole assumption on it was, Oh, you can buy a card raw. You can get it cheaper than it costs to buy a graded card and you can still find decent cards. And this was years ago before everyone started bulk submitting PSA. You could get back cards in just a month or two. And you know, there's a lot of different raw cards out there that you can find in near mint condition. Nowadays it's obviously changed because now dealers send those out to get them back in to get top dollar. But the whole culture has changed quite a bit the last five, 10 years. Yeah, no doubt. And and one thing I love about you too, Ryan, well, you know, you're a young guy. A lot of times, you know, uh, folks your age, uh, guys and girls, right? They're, you're automatically going to assume, well, they're going to be into the modern stuff just because of their age and they don't know uh, that stuff or they, you know, they kind of shy away from it. But you, I mean, you, you, again, I, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm, I'm guessing you, like you, you just mentioned your dad sort of ingrained uh, uh, upon you and, and you are into the vintage and, and even in eclectic where I know you do boxing uh, cards, I do a little bit of that myself and, and cricket as well. Just talk about that dynamic. Uh, you know, if, if it was your dad's influence, uh, how did someone young kind of, you kind of see vintage even before, like a lot of people getting into it now just because they, they're seeing what the, how good it is and, and how it's, it's not as prevalent as all these shiny new things to, uh, that we see uh, very often. Uh, you were kind of, you did that before it was cool to do it, kind of to speak to how that all happened for you. Sure. Yeah. So since my dad owned a card shop in the nineties, he experienced the junk wax era. And if you guys don't know what happened to Junk Wax era, I mean, cities literally had probably 20, 30 different card shops. If you think about today, how many eBay sellers there's in every city, before eBay was prevalent, you had to have a card shop or you had to go to the show circuit, uh, one or the other, to be able to sell your inventory. So my dad had a card shop, and you obviously had to have the modern cards to survive as well. And back then, you would have cards like Jose Canseco, that'd be 50 or $100, and all these other stars, and overnight, those cards would drop down in price uh, just because of how many were printed and the hobby slowly started dying at that point. I mean, it got revitalized, obviously, probably in the 2000s and 2010s, really quite a bit. But back then, the hobby kind of imploded on itself. And my dad exited the hobby, sold every single card at his card shop. And he always preached that to me. He's like, look, 50s and through 70s, these cards weren't printed a lot. People are always going to want to get a Mickey Mantle card, a Willie Mays card, Pete Rose, Charlie Hustle, right? People want these type of cards. These are legendary players. You can always chase after the same exact top prospect year after year, but how many of those prospects are going to pan out? They never do. And sure, you're going to miss a few players. You might miss a Mike Trout or you might miss a Mookie Betts or any or a Juan Soto or an Acuna. But if you look at, if you invest in every single top prospect, you're going to lose a ton of money. And the thing is also, is a player might be really good right now. They still have a second half of their career after the age of 30. Look how many players have done extremely well their first five or six seasons, and they fell off because whether it's injuries, whether it's just they can't perform at the same level, or any other freak accident that can happen, are you better off getting a legend for maybe a little bit more? Uh, depends on, obviously, the grade and condition, everything like that. Or do you want to take a gamble on a prospect hoping that they become this legend, and the pop report on the newer card is much higher than that older card? So from that assumption and that standpoint, I'd rather go with the vintage side of things and start collecting these type of players rather than modern. I'm not saying to ignore modern because you can find great opportunities there, especially like when I started collecting, I always was going through the quarter boxes, the dollar boxes, and try to find players that dealers passed on that I think had good potential. 
found a lot of great guys in there. So I'm not saying to ignore modern, but I'm saying look at the vintage guys and then compare it to the modern. What's the best value for your buck if you're going to spend a lot of money? Yeah, I, I agree across the board there too. Uh, to to piggyback too off of that, Ryan, uh, with that era of cards, the '50s, '60s, and '70s, you know, we they weren't viewed in the same way sports cards are now. They didn't we didn't have the supplies and the holders and the mag type. Many of those cards got thrown out. Right, kids went to college and the parents, uh, well, he don't need these anymore. He's, he's getting older. They're, they're kids cards. And so, so many of those got destroyed besides not being as printed, maybe as much as, as modern days There's a lot that were in existence, you know, wound up in landfills. And so, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great point. You didn't have the, the, the supplies, uh, we do, uh, now, uh, then, you know, my dad tells stories, you know, the old age, you know, stories, putting them in your bike spokes, throwing them against the wall. And, and those cards obviously got, the, besides them destroying them themselves, then mom and dad threw them out uh, after that uh, as well. So uh, it's a great point. All right, we're going to step aside for a real quick break to hear from one of our great sponsors, One of One Car Shop. But we'll be right back with more from Ryan, Ryan Nolan. What doesn't one of one car shop do? From box, case, and personal brakes, there's always fire being pulled. They offer bulk grading subs, and their large store located in Strongsville, Ohio, offers an incredible selection of sports cards, non-sports, and authentic autograph memorabilia. Steve and family will treat you right. Check them out on Instagram at one of one card shop or on the web at oneofonecardshop.com. Sports Car Nation is back with more Ryan I've always done both vintage and modern from from having a store myself in in the early 90s and staying with it. But I, I will say this, the last probably year, two years, I've really kind of shifted over and focused a lot more uh, on the vintage side of things for the exact reasons uh, we, we just discussed. And, and we're seeing, you know, you you uh, kudos to you kind of for doing it before it was trendy. You know what I mean? You kind of saw that that move you know saw that kind of come in ahead of time but we are seeing a lot more younger folks doing it uh now uh you know because they're they're reading the tea leaves and they're they're figuring it out uh as well and it's it's nice and you know I, i'm being an older guy in the hobby this long i i always say this you know without that past we wouldn't have what we have today and i always i always try not to forget that and, uh, you know, stay active uh, in those cards uh, uh, as well. Absolutely. And I was going to say, too, just learning your history of cards, you're going to develop so many different traits on both building out a PC and then also kind of figuring out what are those cards that are undervalued, what cards do have long-term potential. And if anyone's going to vintage, study your history, learn about what Topps created first, what Bowman created first, the superstars in every single era, because you're going to start realizing traits and what ends up happening. And even like on the data side of things, um, people compare Juan Soto now to Mel Ott. And if you know Mel Ott, he has a 1933 Gaudi as his rookie card. Look yeah. how inexpensive Mel Ott is compared to Juan Soto cards. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I love Juan Soto. I think he's one of the best young players in the game. If you're going to throw money at anyone, I'd say Juan Soto is one of my guys. But at the same time, you have Mel Ott, a Lock Hall of Famer from a 1933 Gaudi set, which people spend buku money on the Babe Ruths. 
which they aren't his rookie, by the way. A lot of people think they're his rookie, and he has four yeah. cards in there. Melot has only two cards in that set, very low pop. What's the better investment long-term? A Juan Soto card that there's, I don't even know how many tens there is now, what, multiple thousands? Or like a pop of a Mel Ott, which is probably less than a thousand uh, for each card individually. So if you're going to throw money at something, where do you guarantee Mel Ott, Superstar, or to go on Juan Soto? And you learn about these type of things by going throughout the history and learn about all the different processes, all the different years and players. Yeah, another great point. You know, those these guys have done that. The book is closed. They're Hall of Famers. They have uh, incredible stat lines, and and that can't be taken away. You know, I like Juan Soto too, but you know, let's be realistic. And and I'm not saying I, I obviously don't hope this happens, but God forbid, you know, he goes out tomorrow and and tears his ACL. That, that could be never be the same player again. And uh, obviously, you don't want that to happen. But that risk is always there with these bonafide hall of famers that, that you know they've they've done what they're going to do they've they've you know reached that highest accomplishment with their hall of fame election and they're great opportunities like you, you brought out like mel Ott cards in many cases if not all are a lot of times cheaper than the the counterpart with soto who's you know in his third or fourth year of, of playing so it's a great opportunity to to not only learn too, but to get a great card and add it to your collection or your inventory. The other thing I like with vintage too, Ryan, I, I think you'll agree, is that generally now there's ex, a few exceptions, but generally with vintage, right? There was one rookie card. You know, Correct. Bob. You know, Bob Gibson's 1959 tops. You know, uh, you know Thurman Munson. Uh, 70, uh, 70, uh, 1970 top. You know what the rookie cards are. Yes, 1960 top. With the modern day, you know, Luka Doncic has 600 different rookie cards, you know, and it's so the waters are so muddied. Um, it just makes that, that hunt, uh, I think even more difficult because now it's like, which one do I get? This one's great. This one's great. This one's great too. And, and, there's nothing wrong with the modern. I, I do modern, but I, you know, there's something about when there's that one card you've got to acquire. It's, it's the, you know, you know, some people call them grail cards or, or, or what have you, but it's that one card. There's no debate. That's the rookie. And uh, there's no debate which, which rookie's better because there's only uh, one. And I think there's, to me, there's an allure to that. You know, uh, I just, uh, one of the cards I bought, uh, in Chicago was the bird. Well, actually, the last card I bought for get back on the plane was that bird magic rookie for, from 80, right? Uh, two icons of the game uh, sharing a rookie card. Uh, I mean, how often? Very, very few of those, that, you know, uh, especially from that time period. And so, uh, but we, you know, everyone knows that that's the one card, right? There's, there's no second bird rookie or second magic Johnson rookie. And, uh, there's something to it. Just to me, it's easy to navigate that. I think there, there's something to be said about that, and the fact that the age of the card, where a lot of those don't exist no more. Uh, you know, we talk about scarcity, and there's scarcity uh, in modern cards too. I don't want to make this a, a one-sided uh, argument, but you know, we, I could make an argument that the scarcity in modern is sort of artificial, right? These are companies putting a stamp. Uh, you know, making 10 parallels that are one and one, you know, 
there's there's sort of a simplistic to the vintage where they didn't do a lot of parallels uh, or anything. It's just the base card, and that's the rookie, and that's it. And, uh, you know, makes it a lot easier to navigate. Um, not that I'm always looking for the easier way, but I just think when you when you put them up against each other and, and you look at it sort of that way, for me, especially being older too, the allures uh, really leans that way, and, and even more so as I get older too. It's just uh, you know, as I go around, you we're going to talk about this because you you do the show circuit more than than I do, but. Even going around to these shows and just looking at these cases, and there's some great cards. Don't get me wrong, million dollar cases, if you will. But it's just so much shiny stuff, just so much of it. And then you look at some of the vintage, and 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 you know, there's there's enough of it. But it's just you you know by walking that show floor, what there's a lot less of and what there's a lot more of. It's very uh, comes very clear, and so uh, you know kind of your thoughts on on that yeah so i agree with most of it with only the cards having or only players having one specific card where that really gets muddy though is with pre-war cards and especially with strip cards because a lot of people can't date specific years on these cards so sometimes when you go to websites like trading card database they have year ranges from like i'll give you example i picked up a jack dempsey card i think it was a w528 because either that or 529 can't remember off my head but on the PSA slab on this card, they say it's a 1920 card. On SGC slab, they say it's a 1925. And then on trading card database, they say it's and you're from like 1920 to 1931. Like no one knows what year this card was produced in. So when you're trying to source if this is a rookie card or not, Jack Dempsey had technically rookie cards in 1919, 1920. And also some people call his champions card in 1922 is true rookie because it's more accessible for people. And it has a definite date versus some of these strip cards. So when you go with specific cards like the De- or specific players like Dempsey as a boxer, it kind of comes difficult with pre-war to really know what truly is his rookie because there really wasn't much documentation out there to determine when these strip cards were produced, when they were distributed, and things. So that's where it kind of gets a little bit muddy, and it's a little bit fun for me because I try to figure out: okay, I have the strip card now. Is this his rookie or not? I don't know. Okay, I have to chase off through this card now. I have this card. Yeah. Is that considered a rookie? Look on forums, people say, no, this card is the true rookie. Then I have to pick up this card. It's like, okay, I have three or four different Jack Dempsey cards. Who is the true rookie card? I don't know. No, everyone argues over it, but I have all four cards now. I'm really happy about it. So it's a little bit of a lure in that type of chase, which I really like. Sure, there, and obviously there's a few different companies back then with all different tobacco companies producing cards. And it just, it's a lot of fun with that. Now, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So that was the first one. And then the other thing with like the artificial scarcity and everything, like the limited editions, one thing I kind of like with the older cards and I kind of view it as like today's limited editions is the grading of them. So when I view an older card and it's like a PSA eight or a PSA nine, I kind of view that as like a red refractor or a super refractor. you know, a PSA 10 of a card in the pre-war era or a PSA nine, a pre-war era card. There's only one, maybe these cards out there. That's my version of a super fractor out there of a great player. Yep. I'm not going to be able to afford that super fractor. I'm not going to be able to afford that nine. Then I start going down a little bit lower. Okay, your PSA five might be your gold number to 50, or not 50, but like 2021 or like a blue or a purple refractor. So that's kind of how like I compare the modern to the vintage the best way. It's kind of like with the grading scale side of things. Yeah. 
I agree with that. You know, you mentioned about the Dempsey uh, not knowing which one is is regarded as as the rookie card. You you make sort of a a rookie card scavenger hunt. Uh, what I got this one. Now I got to get that one. I don't have that one, and just so hey, I'll get them all. So I know I have whatever whatever the consensus is in the end. I have all my bases covered. It's a uh, it's fun a fun chase uh, for you and uh, legendary. I'm a I'm a boxing guy as well, and uh, I believe you probably have more than more stuff than I do. But I have uh, some stuff. Uh, it's I've gotten more back into some of it this year. We're getting some more. Another quick break to hear from the boys at the sports card shop at MoCo in Michigan. They got your family doing great things uh, in the hobby. The sports card shop is your small town local card shop with a global reach. Located in New Buffalo, Michigan, the shop is one of the most accessible in the Midwest. In addition to being an authorized Panini Direct Dealer, the Sports Card Shop carries all major trading card brands, including Tops, Upper Deck, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and more. With all that new wax, a half million singles, and showcases full of graded cards, you're sure to find something great for your collection, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned collector. The Sports Card Shop is your one-stop shop. So call us, come see us, or visit us on the web and social media. Our phone number is 269-469-0140. Website is thesportscardshopatmoco.com. The Sports Card Shop is part of the MoCo Retail Group, connecting sports, the hobby, and people around the world. We are back with Ryan Noma. I got to ask you about uh, cricket cards. I know you do cricket cards. Two, two questions, I guess. Uh, number one, uh, how come? Not that there's anything wrong with, but how did that happen? And talk about like how not easy or easy they are to to find and acquire. Yeah. So the first thing, since I'm a data analyst, I try to look at where there's opportunities in the market. And the last few years, I've seen soccer cards go from nothing to skyrocketing overnight. Soccer is the biggest sport in the world. And it made no sense for the longest time why soccer wasn't really taken off. One thing that I know as a collector was there wasn't many soccer collectors anywhere. The whole population that loved soccer just watched the sport. They weren't really collecting the card. But when the sports card market boomed, a lot of new people were coming into the hobby. And people also probably wondered why soccer cards aren't really taken off. And at the same time, those other people that collected soccer cards like, oh man, finally I get to share some of my soccer cards with these new collectors. There's also probably people that were huge fans of soccer that now got into the hobby through, let's say, basketball prism or football prism. And then they're like, oh, I want to get some of these new soccer cards. And there wasn't many being produced out there. And I saw soccer cards go from overnight, from nothing at all, being worth thousands and thousands of dollars. So in my mind, I was going, all right, soccer is a sport that was neglected by card collectors for the longest time. What's another sport? So I looked through the most popular sports and on most lists, cricket's either number two or three. And I've done a lot of research on cricket and in a lot of these third world countries like India, cricket is a religion over there. People breed for it. They love it. Like that's their whole life. They wake up every day to watch these cricket matches. In fact, they have five day matches 
some of their test matches are five days long and people will go and watch five days in a row of a sport. People talk about baseball going to extra innings is too long. People go to a match for five days in a row and follow their cricket heroes. And if you look at the following on some of these bigger cricket stars, 40 million followers, that's a lot of people. It's very comparable to soccer. If you look at some of the American athletes, I mean, 10 million followers is huge. Besides like a LeBron or anything like that, you look at some of your top quarterbacks, a few million followers, and everyone thinks that's a lot. You look at cricket, it's 40 million. So I knew that there was an opportunity there with both modern and vintage possibly. And I I dove even deeper on it because I knew that there was a history of cricket, but I didn't realize how deep it went. And cricket cards were produced shortly after baseball cards. So people know a lot of the 1887 OJs, you had your Allen and Ginters, you had your Gypsy Queen, a lot of other brands around there. But cricket cards really got into production around 1896 with Wills. Uh, There's a few other sets a little bit earlier, but it wasn't really as mainstream as Wills. So you had your Wills and you had your big Ogden set, which are these black cards that were produced from 1897, I believe, to 1902. And those covered also boxing. It covered cricket. There's also, I believe, some ice hockey cards. Like It, it covered celebrities. Like This Ogden set is one of the biggest sets out there. Everyone talks about the T206 set, but the Ogden black set, which was like 97 through 02, is just as big as this T206 set. It's an absolute monster. And I don't know if anyone's completed it. I'm sure there's people that have, but it's it's absolutely insane. And I forgot to mention golf as well. There's golf in there, and some of these cards are really expensive. So I, I research a lot more, and cricket cards were being produced almost every single year up until pretty much World War II. There was a little bit of a break. Then they started getting produced again in the 50s, a little bit of a break, 60s. And then they're kind of like sporadic on and off until Tops took it over. Tops actually produces cricket card. And it's uh, the first year was in 2011, interesting enough. So I looked at it. I was like, all right, they have the pre-war side. They have the history of the cards, which a lot of other sports don't. Basketball, there was a few cards back then, but not as much as cricket. We have soccer as well, who had some cards back then, but not as much as cricket was out there. And baseball was the other one. Boxing, there's a lot of cards back then which would be kind of comparable to cricket, but I think cricket has a little bit more. And I realized, all right, first we have the the legacy of the cards that are there. We have the fan base of cards that are there. The only thing that is missing is the American collector. And I look back with soccer, the American collector wasn't there, but a lot of people were hoping that more Europeans got into the market. Now I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I've been noticing there's a lot more European YouTubers talking about soccer cards. So if these people watch cricket already in the United Kingdom, they're also watching, or I'm sorry, if they're watching soccer already in the United Kingdom, chances are they probably also watch cricket because that's their number two sport over there. And if people are watching the soccer cards, they might start building out content based around cricket. So I looked at this as an opportunity to get way ahead of the curve. I might be five or 10 years ahead of the curve, but I'm trying to build out a collection of every single Hall of Famer and cricket and also the top stars. And I already have like 60 or 70 of the Hall of Famers and cards I have probably like three more difficult or not three, like about five more difficult cards to get, which is really, really hard to source both on eBay or going through collectors. Um, but with that side of things, I just want to build this out and have this on the side and still try to educate people with cricket as well, because I think it, there's an opportunity there. So how soccer bloomed. Yeah. And it, it just shows you, you know, you're, you're using your, your sort of data analyst skills to, to try to get it, like you said, ahead of the curve and, and maybe ahead of the trend. Uh, maybe even like you said, 
five or ten years. It just shows you, uh, you know, how your mind works, which is which can pay dividends. Uh, if it does anything near what soccer uh, did, like you said, the last couple years, you're going to be in, in, in really good shape. And again, it's fun because you can say, hey, I, you know, it's hot now, but you know, I, I was in on that on, on in 2020, 2021, and uh, so I, I, you know, I, I wasn't one of the ones that just jumped on. And uh, it, it's just, it's just good that you think like that. Uh, and you, like you said, you're learning uh, the history, uh, learning who's in, who's made the Hall of Fame uh, in those sports. And uh, uh, you know, good job by you, as as I like to say. So let's get into the what the the part I'm really jealous of you. Uh, about Ryan is you, you're traveling the show, uh, traveling the world, going to card shows. Uh, I should say nation, but um, you know, you 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 started your vlog what about a year ago? If I'm correct, right? Yeah. So originally, I wasn't the one like in the videos. So I started the YouTube channel with one of my college friends, Stephen, and I just didn't want to be on videos or anything like that. So I'd still pick up cards at the show. I'd kind of show them the way with buying vintage and everything. And I'll just record the videos. All right, this is the dealers here. This is the tables. I just literally had a smartphone, just going around and doing all this. And eventually I kind of got over that fear of being on video and just started vlogging, talking to dealers, going around and kind of showing people what I do at these shows. And I think I went to one Dallas show and came back and recorded a vlog and people really, really liked it. I looked at the data on the channel compared to a local show, that Dallas video blew up. I think I had like, 8,000 views or 10,000 views. Most of my other videos only got 500 to a thousand. And I'm like, wow, I traveled and people were watching this video and everything. I, they really enjoyed it. Okay. I'm going to go back to Dallas again. So Dallas happened another, I think what they do every two months or something like that. Yeah. I went back to Dallas again, that video, another about 8,000 views. All right, let's try another location. So I started going to different shows and I noticed when I went to different markets, you get to meet new people, which I really like because everyone has their own collecting story, their own personal story. You learn a lot as well, and you get experience. There's you experience new foods. There's so much more to a card show than the cards in the display. Each city has their own culture. They have their foods and everything. And me personally, after the card show, I like exploring. I like trying different places. I don't want to go to a chain. I'd rather go to somewhere local where I know I can't get this food again unless I go back to this card show. And I really, really enjoy that. And that's something I try to show my vlogs as well. You go into different places like, all right, this is the place to go to afterwards. Or, okay, I explore downtown. This is what downtown looks like. And just kind of have fun with it. I'm, I'm 23 years old. I'm having the opportunity, which I'm super grateful for, to go around and see different cities and enjoy it. I know I'm not going to have this chance later on in life when I have kids, when I have a full family that is dependent on me. I can't say, oh, every single weekend, I'm going to go travel to a car show. <laughs> well, you, can, you can, but then you'll be divorced. <laughs> yes. So, so I want to take I want to take this opportunity right now and go out there and explore the country. And one of my goals I eventually want to do is hit a card show in all 50 states. So I want to be one of the first people out there. I don't know if anyone's done it. I'm sure some dealers have already but just cross off a show every single state and just finish a map and do that. And my goal this year is to do 52 shows in 52 weeks. So right now I'm at 33 shows for the year. Well, man, you do, you know, you do a great job and you, you, you mentioned something I actually admire about your, your videos is 
You you also show the whatever city you're in, the locale. You show the hot spots for food. Uh, which listen, when I travel, uh, I'm a foodie, right? I, I you know you're not going to be in the convention center or the you know wherever the show is all day. Got to eat, and uh, wherever I go, I want to you know try what kind of the 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 best what the locals say. Oh man, you got to have, you got to eat here, or you got to try this meal or this. Uh, you know, menu item. And so you cover that. And I, I like that you just don't focus on the show stuff. And, you know, as someone who's done, uh, I don't know how many shows I've done as a dealer. I don't know how many shows I've attended as just a, a consumer. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but like I, I get the, the transaction stuff. And so I actually enjoy the, the stuff, the way you do things outside the show venue and kind of encompass the whole thing. Uh, as a package. And I think that's why I, I'm, I'm sure others feel the same way, which is why uh, your, your vlogs uh, taking off and, and doing uh, so well. I mean, the, the show stuff is, I don't want to say it's, it's not boring, but you know, it's, it's transactions and, 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 and that, and, and that's fun too, especially on the, some of the bigger cards that you, and bigger deals you can capture. But, it's everything that you, the way you, you package everything together, I think, kind of sets you apart. I, I know I appreciate that uh, more, uh, maybe being old and kind of an old show guy on both sides of the table. So you, you do a great job. Now, you know, you mentioned that you're kind of taking advantage of the situation, uh, being a, a young guy, single uh, right now. I mean, you ever do you, I have a girlfriend. Okay, would you? I mean, you're not married yet uh, yeah. at this point. Another quick break, but we'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome. We are back with Ryan Nolan. I mean, is this something, do you do you have any sort of uh, visions to maybe make this a full-time, maybe your career is, is, is in the hobby, whether that be eventually opening a store like your dad or what you're doing now where it will you can you can make a career out of that honestly i want to stay with my data analyst career i want to do this stuff on the side like right now i can balance both and if something ever has to happen like i have to go part-time and still do this because the data analyst stuff makes me smarter for looking at cards i learn more programming which i can apply to other things in the future i don't know if i'm going to apply it right directly to cards but if i ever have another side hustle associated with cards i could use that over there on top of it, I'm learning how to analyze things better. I look at numbers daily and it, I feel like it makes me smarter going through all that type of stuff. So I don't want to quit that. And plus there's a, a lot of opportunities on the data side of things. It's a new field that's really been blossoming the last few years. And even like a lot of sports teams use data. I mean, we talk about Moneyball, which funny enough, my podcast, which I'm starting to launch soon is all about applying Moneyball to cards, but I view it as something I need to have in my life. I need to have that structure. 
cards is all secondary. It's a lot of fun. It's a great hobby. And sure, there's a ton of money to be made there and opportunities. But right now, I'm going to stay down the lane and focus on my job and do the cards on the side. Well, you're a smart kid, uh, a smart young man. And so uh, I'm sure whatever you do, you you, you put into work, you, you crunch the numbers, you're, you're very analytical about it, which is which is important. So uh, uh, you're going to be successful, uh, whatever you decide to do. Um, I'm jet, you know, watching your jet set uh, across the country. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little jealous, uh, Ryan. I'm like, take me with you. You know, get a big lug, big uh, suitcase, and I'll I'll go in there. Just leave it cracked open a little bit so I can I get some air. But uh, you You're know, welcome to join anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how how now? You said you work Monday to Friday. I mean, are you leaving like right after work? You're 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 going and then getting back, like you said, Sunday night, and then you're doing a lot of editing even after your your day job's done. I mean, just. Uh, Talk about the difficulties with that. I know even recently you had some, some, you know, airline issues. Yeah. So sometimes it depends on the show. Most of the times I'll travel Saturday morning. I'll look for like a 5 a.m. flight. So I'll finish off work on Friday. Um, if I have time, I'll work on my book spotting fakes and the whole fake series. And then in the morning, I'll get up super early. Let's say two or three o'clock in the morning, get everything packed and ready to go and fly out to the card show do all the vlog for Saturday and then go back Sunday afternoon and then edit all night, go back to work Monday morning, really early, edit all night and then try to get the videos out on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, if possible. It's, it's rough, but it has to happen. And sometimes if a show's farther away, I'll fly out Friday. So I'll literally finish work at five o'clock. I'll have all my clothes on and I'll have to change at the airport. Or if I don't have time, I'll just have to have that clothes pretty much on there and fly away to the show. I haven't had that happen yet. I've changed at the airport, I think twice so far, but it just has to happen to be able to go to those shows. There's no other time for that. The hardest part, what I've noticed at least from the card show side of things and doing this on the side is I've kind of neglected running, which I used to do all the time. I used to be an ultra marathon runner and quite a bit. Like I used to run 70 miles a week, but I found it's really, really tough managing that side of things as well as the card shows and also, you know, work full time. And the past few months I've really, really neglected on my running. And that's something I've been trying to fix recently and just get back into shape with that. Um, it's something I, I really regret not focusing more on the health side of things because sometimes you can just get so carried away with something and you neglect what's, what everything else is going on in your life. You just so focused on it, but you can't neglect your health. You need to focus on that as well. And, that's probably my biggest, one of my biggest mistakes I've done so far since launching everything and focusing on it. Well, you get a little run and running through that airport, man, to catch <laughs> catch your catch your flight, man. It just, uh, well, you do. I mean, I don't know where you get the energy. If we're ever at the di- dinner together, I'm gonna let you order first, and I'm just gonna tell uh, the waiter or waitress I'll just have whatever he's having. <laughs> so, but uh, I mean, God bless you, man. To, you know, to 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 put into work and and. Like you said, you have a girlfriend too. Like, I, how how do you even work that in into the mix? It just uh... yeah. So she's a nurse right now, and she has twelve hour shifts. So like even tonight, she's at the hospital. So it kind of worked out with the podcast side of things because if she's at the hospital, I can stay up late and work on videos or work on podcasts and things like that. So she works three days a week with that, and while she's gone, I can focus and work really really late into the night. 
Well, you, you've got stuff mapped out. You know, even I'm, my wife's a nurse uh, as well. I do a lot of my interviews uh, a little bit later in the evening when I can, because uh, then, you know, my house has went to bed and I'm more of a night owl so I can get get that uh, uh, accomplished. Uh, you know, I uh, I want to talk about something else as we kind of come down to the home stretch here. Um, you know, you've seen uh, there's a post that you, you posted today. Uh, about uh, game use cards, uh, which aren't really, uh, in some cases, aren't really game use cards. But hey, we're not sure. There's no guarantee to where uh, this uh, piece of fabric on the front of this card uh, is from. And you brought out uh, a great point, and it's something I actually I, I've never posted about it, but I, I'm not going to lie, I thought about it. Is all these relic cards that are guaranteed where they're from, or even in some cases. Uh, where what Tops uses those the, the little round holograms where you can scan it and it tells you what game that was worn in. You can see even what kind of game. Uh, you know, you made a point with your post to say, hey, those, those may appreciate because there's some substance to them uh, where some of these newer ones, uh, you know, and, and Panini is probably the biggest culprit to, to, to mention them, uh, that, hey, we're, we're, you know, it's – it's a cool, it's a cool cut. We're not sure where it comes from, uh, but enjoy your card. You know, your point was, hey, the ones that have uh, that provenance that you can point to, hey, it was used during this game or during this season, uh, and it was actually used in the game. They're 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 stating as such. Those should have an appreciation and value. And and when I saw that, I was you know. Uh, not in, while reading, like right on, because I've thought about that uh, many times myself. Just kind of, you know, your your take on that. Yeah, so absolutely. In the early 2000s, and this is kind of like when I was starting collecting as well, I got the cards I was buying on eBay at the time with my dad were jersey cards. So I'd go out there and buy your Willie Mays jersey cards, your Pete Rose jersey cards, and that was my main PC for the longest time, along with vintage at the card shows. And I, I have a few a huge box of Jersey cards and I see where Jersey cards are going now. They first off, you barely see any hall of fame legends past the 1970s, all their jerseys, bats, they're all chopped up and in the hands of collectors. I mean, we talk about, I think the Jackie Robinson Jersey recently sold for what, $4 million or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And just think about how many swabs are in one full Jersey. I'm not, I'm not too sure on top of my head, but if a full jersey can get $4 million, how much is a jersey card worth? And the whole scene of jersey cards has completely changed. And the early 2000s, these all said, these are game-worn jerseys by these players. And you knew, okay, Willie Mays wore this jersey in a game. He might have hit a home run for it. He might have, I don't know, hit a triple, double, or did well in this game. We don't know what jersey came, what specific game it came from, but we know it's a Willie Mays jersey. And these cards have appreciated a little bit over time. Don't be wrong. You can get a Willie Mays jersey card for $40. In the past, they were $10, $15, $20 cards, but they haven't appreciated as much as some of these other rookie cards or autograph cards have. And nowadays, we look at the jersey cards. The past few years, it's like, this is worn by a player, no specific event. But now on Twitter, people are showing images of things that are saying, it's not even guaranteed to have the same exact player. And what triggers in my mind is all these scandals in the mid to late 2000s where people started swabbing out the jerseys and would take a jersey swab on a nice card and put in a fake patch. 
What's the yeah. difference at this point? Instead of some scammer doing this in the 2000s, now we have the grading or the the companies that are putting in the fake jersey cards, and people are spending huge monies for these jersey cards, which at the end of the day is now just a piece of cardboard with a signature on it because this jersey wasn't game used. This wasn't even worn by the player. And it's just something I fully disagree with. If you're going to put a jersey card in there, at least have it worn by the player. If it wasn't used in a specific game, I understand, right? Jersey cards are more expensive. But on, even on your high-end products, they should be coming from games. If someone's buying national treasures, you're spending thousands of dollars on a box. You can't buy a game-used jersey of someone if you're going to charge $5,000 for a box. And I completely disagree with it. I, it's the same exact approach the scammers did in the 2000s. I'm not calling these companies scammers, but at the same time, everyone was in full outrage in the 2000s when people would take out the swabs. They're like, oh, this is a fake swab. The player never worn it, anything like that. It's all aesthetics. Now in 2021, the companies are doing it and people aren't raising a red flag about it. So in my, in my own opinion, and this might not be right or anything like that, I think these early 2000s jersey cards of Hall of Famers and Legends are way undervalued compared to some of their autograph cards or some of these other cards that are coming out today because there's only so many jerseys out there. There's so many, so many pieces of memorabilia of these players, and those cards are the opportunity to be able to get a piece of that jersey. I agree, and, you know, even – some of the Mickey Mantle stuff, you know, you see some Mickey Mantle jerseys and you look at the swatches on them, Ryan, Ryan and they look very new and come to find out what, what if, you know, it came to light that the, the these newer jerseys you're seeing in, in Mantle and, and certain other guys, can not just Mantle, uh, you know, uh, teams, the Yankees are, are, are known for doing it, uh, especially in the, the eight, you know, up up until recently, would have an old timers game where these guys would come back and play an exhibition game. And so many of these new looking Mano jerseys were from old timers day at Yankee stadium, you know, in the seventies and eighties. And so they weren't really worn in a official game, but they were game worn. It was just a old timers day at Yankee stadium exhibition game. You know, I guess it's the same, you know, we see a lot of, of you know, uh, with some of the rookies that like at the rookie premiere, they'll they'll put on a jersey or two jerseys or three jerseys. They're just sitting there, and then they pull them off, and then they cut them up and put them on cards again. It's just a and now that you know the term uses event worn. It was an event they wore it. You know, same thing. We've seen different incarnations of that with sweater cards. You know, the Christmas sweater card. They wore a goofy Christmas sweater. Take that off. Thank you. See you later. You know, get your check on the way out, and we'll cut that up, and it'll be in in hoops. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think some of the the, the real jersey stuff that was used in real games that that counted and mattered. I think there should be a premium, like you said. We see what some of those jerseys are going for uh, in the in, uh, intact and uh, in the, in the auction houses. Uh, like millions of dollars in many cases. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, Ryan, I'm sure you've heard this, that think even cutting up those jerseys for jersey cards is sacrilegious. Like that thing should be left intact. I don't want jersey cards from, I don't want a Jackie, I'm a Jackie Robinson guy, right? I have Jackie Robinson jersey cards. Uh, I love them. You know, there's part of me that is, it's like a double-sided coin. Like I love owning that piece of history that sits on my desk but then at the same time i'm like man that's a whole jersey that got cut up so 
You know, it's 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 the half, you know, the glass half full, half empty. But there's a lot of people who are completely against Jersey Card, especially, you know, of, of the vintage players or the old uh, timers. Like, we should be preserving that history. And, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can see that point, honestly. While I'm glad to sort of own some of those cards, truth be told, I can see why someone would feel that that way because the thought has entered my mind. That's one less or however many that they, they, they've kind of, I don't want to say destroyed, but uh, cut up for, for those purposes. That's how many less jerseys that are available, preserved, intact as a whole uh, jersey, whether it be, you know, for someone privately to own or for it to be on display whether it be at the, the the sports that they play Hall of Fame or even maybe a local community Hall of Fame. You know, it's one less available to for people to come and sort of honor and pay their respects and see. And so that that's a whole nother element to that, uh, you know, uh, onion, a whole nother layer to that. I was going to agree with that. I mean, as a collector of cards, I, I'm very grateful for Jersey cards because – the common guy can't go out there and spend $4 million on a Jackie Robertson Jersey. There's no, yeah. there's no way I could ever fathom spending $4 million on that. I don't have that capital. Now I could spend a hundred dollars and get a little piece of Jackie Robinson's Jersey, kind of like the fractional share companies, what they do with these uh, big items, but this is actually like a physical version of it. So I'm appreciative that I can at least get a small piece of history preserved on cardboard and throw it in my collection with that. Going to take another quick break to hear from another great sponsor, Iron Sports Cards. But we'll be right back to close out our interview with Ryan Nolan. Iron Sports Cards is your number one source for all your PSA and other grading submissions. Their elite status improves turnaround times. Heck, they even provide the card savers. Their chat rooms provide updates on all your submissions. They also offer wax options and single cards to cover all the bases. Check them out on Facebook at Iron Sports Cards Group or on the web at ironsportscards.com or even give them a call at 1-877-I-R-O-N-P-S-A. Rob's got you covered. Sports Card Nation is back with Ryan Nolan. As funny as it is, you know what this kind of reminds me of? A whole debate over card art right now. So people saw how Card Killer uh, redesigned the 61 Fleer set and took the altered cards and turned them into new pieces of art. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that absolutely hated this, but now we just created something brand new. It's its own like own niche now, but these pieces are really, really cool. And I know that there's going to be debates over this now in the future. Oh, you're cutting up a vintage card. Is it really worth cutting that into a built, brand new piece of art, or is it worth preserving the authentic or a PSA one of this card? So it's the same debate, just in a new medium. Yeah, the only the only distinction I'll make there, Ryan, it's a, it's a, another great point you make there with that is, you know, cards. There even 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 with the vintage cards, there's not necessarily a shortage of them, unless it's one of those holy grail rare, uh, you know, cards of that vein. Uh, you know, when we talk about current players, you know, they wear they wear a New Jersey almost every game. You know, they're wearing four or five jerseys a week. So there's really no shortage of jerseys in the vintage. If you, if you know your sports history, you know, Jackie Robinson guys of those days would wear just a few jerseys 
a year. You know, I, I read somewhere maybe just uh, maybe eight jerseys, including road and away uh, uniforms, you know, four, four of each uh, a year. So there's, there's obviously a lot less uh, of, of that, you know, that generation of player compared to the modern generation, which is obviously why a Jackie Robinson jersey and others are bringing seven seven figures uh, on on the auction house market, and and so, but it, again, it all goes back to your point, which is why we started this uh, topic conversation is that there should be probably a premium on those jersey cards for those actual game used, game worn uh, jersey cards, when especially when we put them up against these event worn or non guaranteed worn jerseys and uh, i agree with you you know if you tell me you know i'm a jackie robinson guy i have jackie robinson jerseys but if you tell me hey these three are are worn you know somewhere between you know 1947 1950 and here's a jackie robinson jersey card where they took a replica jersey and they just put it in there and they say which one would you rather have i mean the choice is is obviously are uh, obvious right uh, and and the price should be reflected in that, you know. But then again, they could make that replica jersey a one-on-one card, right? And now all of a sudden it becomes very, very expensive and maybe even potentially more than the actual jersey card. And so, so many variables, you know, but I, 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 I like common sense. And to me, common sense says something that's real and actual uh, should be worth more than something that's not real. Or actual. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you coming on. We're gonna have you on again, man, because we this could probably talk. We could talk another uh, <laughs> another hour or two hours. I, I love what you're doing, man. Twenty three years, twenty three years old. I don't. I, I know you. You know some of your energy comes from being a, a young fella, but still to do what you do and 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 jet set around after working. Uh, five days a week and uh, making time for everything. And uh, you do, and besides you, you know, you do a great job with that too. You think uh, you'd have a built-in excuse. Hey, I'm tired. I kind of slacked off on that. Uh, Yet what you're doing is, is, is superb and uh, you know, keep going again. Uh, I have to live vicariously uh, through you as a a 48 year old guy, but uh, I enjoy it. Uh, I I think it's excellent. And uh, you know, it's the best. Next best thing to actually be in there is watching you cover it, and uh, I'm looking forward to to what's next. Uh, as I always do, whoever's my guest, I give them kind of the final word. Give out any or your social medias, your YouTube, where people can find uh, what you're doing. Anything you want to plug, take your time. Yeah, and first off, I really appreciate John letting me on the show. It was, it was a lot of fun. I definitely want to do a part two or a part three in the future as well. We, I mean, we could talk for hours on this stuff. But, yeah, if you guys want to check out my channel, it is YouTube.com. Breakout cards on there. I try to upload multiple times a week. The staple of my channel is the card show videos, but I also have two other series that I'm working on. And I make videos, I try to do at least every Friday, about spotting fakes. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is trying to help a collector make sure that their cards are real. And I've been doing this series for the past few months. I've been working on a book also all year, trying to educate people on what's a real card, what's a fake card, especially as a lot of new collectors get into vintage or even get into the market itself. 
there's so many scams on eBay. I mean, if you look up 1986 Michael Jordan, there's probably more fake sold than there is real ones every single day. And those are cards also in fake slab cases, whether it's like a fake PSA case or a fake BGS case. So I try to do my best on researching that side of things and then sharing that content with people. So every Friday, I try to make those videos with that. Sometimes if there's a th- something like the national where I have to do uploads for two weeks straight, I don't have time to make those videos, but I try to be as consistent as possible with that. I also have another series, which I've recently launched is the card collector reacts series or sports card collector reacts. And I go out there and look at different collections YouTubers have and kind of go over the history of the cards and kind of explain why some of these cards are really, really awesome and talk about the history of it. And it's a really fun series as well, which I'm getting back into. So if you go to my channel, you can kind of expect those as pieces of content. I also have a Twitter and Instagram as well, which you can take a look at breakout cards. And I try to stay super active with that. And yeah, those are the best places to reach out to me. If you want to reach out, email it is breakoutsports3 at gmail.com. And I try to help out as many people as possible. And I love traveling all these shows. So if you see me at a card show, you know, try to talk to me. I love having conversations with leather collectors. Well, Ryan, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, it it comes out. I already knew this, but even talking to you uh, tonight, you're an advocate for the hobby. You care. You you care about your fellow hobbyists, which is is why you do some of your content uh, is geared to, to helping someone so they don't fall prey or fall into that 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 trap so to speak and uh you know it, that says uh, speaks volumes about you uh the person you the hobbyist you know you could just make videos about shows and those are great uh on their own you're, you're like you said you're doing the book about spotting fakes you you want to you you want uh you know people that enjoy the hobby and 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 those kind of bad experiences will will not be enjoyable and you're you're trying to prevent those from happening i try to do that in in my own way too uh with this show and i think it speaks volumes uh to the person it would just be easy to do whatever you're doing and and not do that stuff and uh it shows you care so uh hats off there as well thank you john and you do a great job with the podcast i appreciate it hey and we will have you back on so uh Uh, Stay safe, uh, be well, happy travels and safe travels, and uh, we'll see you soon. See ya. We love our listeners. Without you, there is no us. We care about your opinions and feedback and invite you to reach out to us on any of our social media accounts. On Instagram at Sports Card Nation Podcast. Twitter at Sports Card Nation. N-A-T-I-1 or email the show at sportscardnationpc at gmail.com We don't ask for much but if you really like the show give us a shout out tell your friends or give us a follow on our social medias if you enjoy the show please give us a positive review on iTunes or any of the platforms you are listening on thank you All right, that's going to do it for another week of Sports Card Nation. I want to thank you, the listener out there. As always, without you, we don't exist. We're not where we are today. And uh, something that isn't lost on us here. So thank you. I want to thank my guest, Ryan Nolan. Doing crazy things, man. I don't know where this guy uh, gets his energy from. Uh, all joking aside, he is always on the go and 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 i'll tell you the truth uh, i i don't think i said it during the interview but 
what I was seeing, what he was doing, kind of traveling the country, I thought this is what he was doing full time, and yet he's holding down a five day a week uh, job uh, and uh, and doing what he's doing. And so, man, I don't care how how old you are, uh, you could be eighteen or you could be my age to do that. That's just crazy impressive. So go check uh, his stuff out. He's hitting all the shows and and filming. And what I love is kind of what we talked about, right? He's not just filming uh, the show itself, but the city too. He's he's giving you a look into the city, where to eat, things to do, uh, almost like a Zagat's Guide, but the the sports card version, uh, if you will. And he's doing uh, great things, and we're going to have him back on and... uh, you know, uh, we wound up talking, you know, uh, what you heard on the air, we wound up talking quite a bit uh, off the air. We were up very late on a weekday, and uh, probably, uh, at least I was dragging the next day. This guy's just so full of energy, he was probably uh, fine. But uh, a great young man, and uh, glad to see what he's doing, and uh, looking forward to, to what he brings to the table as he continues uh, what he's doing. So, Uh, With that being said, uh, once again, thank everybody. Uh, Be safe. Be good. Remember, the hobby is the people. Say goodnight, Kane. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.